to episode 12 of the Truth Quest podcast. Today we will be discussing the truth about socialized medicine. Please do me a favor and share the show with your friends or debate partners. If you are having a discussion about climate change, social security, God and evil, or even socialized medicine, send them the specific episode. As always, please consider supporting the show with a few dollars. Every dollar donated will be used to expand the show's reach. See the show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for the link to the support page. Also, the show notes page will be packed full of articles referenced during this episode. Finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at the TruthQuest Podcast fan page located at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast, where I post relevant articles, engaging discussion with you guys, and announce when the latest episode has been published. The easiest way to stay up to date is to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, or at Podbean. All right, this is the second of what will be four healthcare-related episodes. In episode nine, I discussed the truth about healthcare in America as a way to lay the groundwork for the other three, socialized medicine, Obamacare, and real healthcare reform. If you have not listened to episode number nine, I encourage you to pause this one and go and listen. Let's jump right in with a quote from Vladimir Lenin, who said, quote, Socialized medicine is the keystone to the arch of the socialist state, end quote. I want you to keep this in mind as I proceed through this episode, but more importantly, keep it in mind when you hear people advocating for socialized medicine or government-run medical systems. Generally speaking, the truth about socialized medicine or government-run medical systems is wherever it was, has been implemented, the result have been people suffering from shortages, rationing of care, long wait times, a lower level of care, there's no incentive to shop for better prices or better service, and the denial of experimental drugs, innovative procedures, and new technologies. What you get, as Mises.org explains, is a, quote, perennial problem of shortages due to price controls, which must inevitably exist in these systems. For as long as the price of healthcare services is held artificially low or quote-unquote free by state intervention, individual consumers will no longer have an incentive to economize and question whether they really need a given service or whether those scarce resources should go to others in more desperate need. This inevitably leads to a greater number of people clamoring to extract services than the supply can handle, leading to a shortage, long waiting times, and rationing. You're putting your health care in the hands of bureaucrats, which is a scary thought. Consider what Thomas Sowell once said, quote, you will never understand bureaucracies until you understand that for bureaucrats, procedure is everything and outcomes are nothing, end quote. You cannot understand socialized medical systems until you understand that for as long as healthcare continues to be run as a government bureaucracy, rather than a consumer-facing business, the procedures, processes, and protocols are what matters most, rather than the health and the lives of the people in which the system is supposed to serve. So for the next few minutes, I'm going to run through a series of real-life situations in the British healthcare system, which is a government-run socialized medical system. Similar stories can be found about the Canadian system and many others around the world who choose to run such a system. As I read through these stories, I want you to ask yourself, what would happen if these things happened in the United States? In 2013, 
The Daily Mail reported nearly 1,200 people have starved to death in Britain's National Health Service, or NHS, hospitals because, quote, nurses are too busy to feed patients, end quote. For every patient who dies from malnutrition, four more have dehydration mentioned on their death certificate. In 2011, 43 patients starved to death and 291 died in a state of severe malnutrition. According to another study published by the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, in the British healthcare system, more than 1 in 10 patients are victimized by basic errors, leading to 5.2% of deaths. The researchers found that there are nearly 12,000 preventable deaths in hospitals in England every year. Then there is this disturbing report from the UK's Daily Mail. Sick children are being discharged from NHS hospitals to die at home or in hospices on controversial quote-unquote death pathways, end quote. Until now, end-of-life regime, the Liverpool care pathway was thought to have involved only elderly and terminally ill adults, but the mail can reveal the practice of withdrawing food and fluid by tube is being used on young patients as well as severely disabled newborn babies. And here are some of the horrifying details. One doctor has admitted starving and dehydrating 10 babies to death in the neonatal unit of one hospital alone. He describes the babies as becoming, quote, smaller and shrunken. This Liverpool care pathway oversees the death of 130,000 elderly and terminally ill adult patients each year. Some describe this pathway as backdoor euthanasia. From a 2011 UK Guardian story, here are some grim details regarding long wait times. Quote, New NHS performance data reveal that the number of people in England who are being forced to wait more than 18 weeks has risen by 26% in the last year, while the number who have, wait, have to wait longer than six months has shot up by 43%, end quote. The UK-based Telegraph wrote, Women in labor have been forced to wait while epidural equipment was borrowed from other hospitals, while other patients have been denied chest drains and radiology supplies, according to doctors at South London Healthcare Trust. Minutes of a meeting between medical staff and trust chief executive say cash flow problems at the trust, which are 50 million pound deficit, mean vital equipment is regularly not ordered. The story goes on to document significant risks to patient safety because of shortages of bed and chaotic failures dealing with such prices at the trust, which also runs several other hospitals in the country. Patients affected include a woman who had undergone major cancer surgery who could not be found in bed. The BBC reported the number of patients waiting six months or more for surgery has tripled over the past four years in England, as reported by the Royal College of Surgeons. What about rationing of care? There are countless stories throughout the British press about alarming amounts of rationing of treatments throughout England. In episode 9, I shared the following statistic with you. Canadian and British patients wait about twice as long as Americans to see a specialist to have elective surgery like hip replacement or to get radiation treatment for cancer. All told, over 800,000 people are waiting for some type of procedure in Canada. In England, nearly 1.8 million people are waiting for our hospital admission or outpatient treatment. These are frightening statistics. Other than at the VA, does this happen in the United States? What about access to innovative technologies? Again, from episode 9, Americans have much better access to important new technologies like medical imaging than patients in Canada and the UK. 
The United States has 34 CT scanners per million Americans, compared to 12 in Canada and 8 in Britain. The United States has nearly 27 MRI machines per million, compared to about 6 per million in Canada and Britain. Given the recent death of Senator John McCain here in the United States, I thought it would be noteworthy for you to know that in Britain, he would not have received treatment for his brain cancer. See, in England, where the government runs healthcare, people over 75 years old receive no cancer treatment. See, the system is not designed to take care of everyone with compassion and dignity. It is not designed to value life. It is a system, and people get lost in the system. The dirty little secret about socialized government-run healthcare systems, such as the one in Britain, is that someone of McCain's stature would indeed receive treatment, not because of the generosity of the healthcare system, but because of his stature in society. Just like the Duchess of Cambridge, did you know that she did not give birth in one of the public hospitals? Nope. She went to a plush private hospital reserved for the elites of society. Why the need for private hospitals for the rich in a country supposedly with one of the greatest healthcare systems in the world? Socialism always takes care of the well-to-do, the well-connected, the elites. They never suffer, but everyone else does. Back in 2014, the USA Today reported the parents of a child suffering from a severe brain tumor defied efforts to force them to return to Britain days after they fled the country. So why do they feel the need to escape a presumably civilized nation with one of the best healthcare systems in the world? It seems government-run healthcare isn't exactly on the cutting edge when it comes to life-saving treatments. Quote, the family had fled to Spain in hopes of selling a property to obtain enough cash for a new treatment in the Czech Republic or the United States. They hoped it would help their child. Police pursued them and issued an arrest warrant on suspicion of neglect after Southampton General Hospital realized their patient, Asia King, 5, was gone without their consent. British authorities have made no apology for the warrant, end quote. Keep those three words, without their consent, in mind as we continue this conversation. In a civilized society, parents do not need consent from anyone to pursue other treatments for their sick child. But in a socialized medical system, the powers that be know what's best for you and your children. In a related, more recent story that documents the glories of what we have been led to believe is the beacon of charity and great results known as the healthcare system in Britain, do you recall the story about baby Charlie Gard? He was dying from a rare disease. The only possibility for treatment was to take him out of the country for experimental treatments. But the powers that be denied his parents the ability to take their baby to another country for treatment, just like in the previous story. I'm going to repeat that because I want it to sink in. The British government, the government that runs one of the most successful healthcare systems in the world, the healthcare system that is scandal-laden, forces patients to wait for months before treatment, the one that allows patients to die from starvation and dehydration, determined that Charlie's parents did not have the right to take their own child for treatment elsewhere. They physically restrained them by force of law. Does that sound like a system worth adopting here in the United States? I hope you can hear the sarcasm, contempt, and disdain for these types of systems dripping off the microphone. A government that controls your health care controls everything, including your ability to seek treatment for your child. This angers me beyond belief and leaves me with little patience for people who advocate for these types of systems. What are the lessons here? When the government runs your health care, they own you. 
they can arrest you for taking your own child out of the hospital. I understand these are anecdotal stories, but you must understand that there are thousands of other documented cases of the, of the failings of the socialized medical systems in Britain and elsewhere. If you get your news from mainstream sources, you will never hear these stories. You will never be told the truth about socialized medicine. Remember the question I posed to you before I started running through all these disastrous situations in the British healthcare system? If any of these travesties had occurred in the United States, what would have been the likely recourse? We have medical malpractice laws for a reason. We have laws like wrongful death and negligence for a reason. But in a government-run system, how do you get justice for malpractice or negligence or incompetence? Call your congressman or senator? When government fails, there rarely is any recourse. Want to get a glimpse into a socialized government-run healthcare system a little closer to home? Consider the Department of Veteran Affairs, Veterans Health Administration. Do you remember the scandal back in 2014? It involved a pattern of negligence in the treatment of United States military veterans. Staff falsified appointment records to cover up their extended wait times for appointments. Some patients died while they waited. CNN reported that at least 40 died while waiting at a, for care at a Phoenix, Arizona facility. An internal VA audit found that more than 120,000 veterans were left waiting or never got care, and the schedulers were pressured to use unofficial lists or engage in inappropriate practices to make waiting times appear more favorable. President Obama's Deputy Chief of Staff, Rob Neighbors, reported, quote, significant and chronic system failures and a corrosive culture, end quote, inside the Veterans Health Administration. As you may recall from episode number nine, I quoted some studies indicating that the care received from the VA is so bad that only one-third of eligible veterans actually use it to get health care. Veterans that can afford not to use the VA don't. Sounds just like the British system, where those who can afford to opt out or those holding an elite position in society do not use it. The National Center for Policy and Analysis concluded their analysis of socialized medical system this way. Quote, can the nationalized universal systems of Britain, Canada, or anywhere else improve on this, the U.S. system? No, but it can ruin our health care by following the policies of countries where tr medical treatment is far below the American standard, end quote. Advocates for single-payer systems like Canada and Britain cannot be allowed to ignore the evidence. They must be forced to address it before promoting such a solution on the American people. Question for skeptics. Can you name one federal program that has been run well enough to give you confidence that they can manage you and your family's health care? Well, what about the claim that health care is a right? It's very popular here in the United States with Democrats. When I hear this claim, my immediate reaction is to ask, what are they basing it on? As I start to wonder what other rights we might have, right to work, housing, more on this later. For those who argue that healthcare is a right, I have a question. Do babies in the womb have a right not to be sucked out via an abortion procedure? See episode 2 for a detailed analysis of the abortion issue. See, the truth is that the majority of people who make the claim that healthcare is a right are the same people who will in the next sentence deny that a baby has a right to live. I have news for you. In the United States of America, you are not entitled to health care or health insurance. Healthcare is not a right. The Constitution does not state it. The Bible does not state it. There's nothing in the Federalist Papers or the Articles of Confederation that states it. The only place this entitlement exists is in the minds and doctrines of socialists and communists. 
The federal government has no constitutional authority to mess with our health care or health insurance. For crying out loud, the United States government does not grant rights. It is supposed to protect them. Under the constitutional republic form of government that we have in the United States, government officials do not declare what rights we have. Tyrants, dictators, despots, authoritarians, and autocrats grant rights. See, in the United States, our rights come from God. Our rights are clearly articulated by the Declaration of Independence and solidified in the Constitution. And guess what? We do not have that many of them. Ever heard of life, liberty, and property? See, the Founding Fathers did not want a large, all-encompassing, all-powerful federal government. They had just fought a revolution to escape that form of government. So they limited the federal government's power and clearly articulated the rights they cannot infringe on, such as our ability to speak our minds without the government encroaching. We have the right to assemble and associate with whoever we want. We have the right not to have our home, person, or paper searched without a true warrant. What about the claim that in a country as wealthy as the United States, we should have health care for everyone? On the surface, that sounds like a fair question, but it ignores the nature of the United States. It ignores the fact that we are a constitutional republic. If the state of Virginia wants to provide health care for all, they should go for it, just like Governor Mitt Romney in the Massachusetts legislature tried over a decade ago. But the federal government does not have the constitutional power to implement such a system nationwide. Let a state go bankrupt, but don't bankrupt the whole country. You can move out of a state if you do not like the way it's being run. See the recent exodus from California, Illinois, and the Northeast for evidence of this phenomenon. But you cannot easily escape the country. But let's play along with the question about health care for all and answer it with another question. How will you pay for it? Tax the rich, they will argue. But you will notice that advocates never really answer the question. They simply pander. I have no patience for the argument that health care is a right because at its core it's anti-American. It plays on the ignorance of the people of how this country was founded. It plays on people's greed and envy of others. They have health insurance, so should I. It ignores the real problem of how the federal government's interference with health care has really screwed the system up. See episode 9. Why don't we get government out of the business of health insurance and health care and let the markets work their magic? It's a slippery slope, folks. What comes after health care? Mortgage assistance? Oh, my fault. We already have that. How about a prescription drug benefit? Oh, already there. Food stamps? Okay. Wait, what about dental or car care or entertainment? Pet care, vacation assistance, mandatory purchase of a burial plot, a car, a two-bedroom house. Your rights are only limited by the imagination of our elected officials' willingness to spend your money. You are not going to get anything for free. We will all eventually suffer through higher rates and ration care. The reason I can make such a statement is because without exception, everywhere socialized medicine has been instituted, rationing has ensued, and the quality of care has declined, not just in Britain, but everywhere. Canada, elsewhere in Europe, Scandinavia, Cuba, Venezuela, and New Zealand. That's what the Truth Quest is all about. It will be the same in the United States system with a single pair. The elites will always have their plush private care facilities, and the rest of us will go to the public hospitals. As we wrap up this episode, let's shift gears to consider customer service in a socialized medical system. See, customer service only matters when the service provider fears losing their customers or fears damage to their reputation via poor reviews and word of mouth. A single-payer, government-run system fears neither. 
their customers are forced to buy from them, which leaves the customers with little or no recourse for crappy service. Let's follow the logic. With a private insurer, if you have a problem, you can call their customer service department or escalate your complaint up the chain of command. If the complaint goes unresolved, you still have the option of hiring an attorney, contacting the state's insurance commission, and or an equivalent federal agency to take up the fight on your behalf. Under a single-payer system, your only recourse for a complaint is what? Call a faceless bureaucrat and plead your case? Then what? Call your congressman? The government has immunity and no accountability. You think this is far-fetched? Consider this 2011 Boston Globe story exposing more problems in England. Here's an excerpt. When David Evans needed a hernia operation, the 69-year-old farmer became so alarmed by the long wait that he used an ultrasound machine for pregnant sheep on himself to make sure he wasn't getting worse. It was only after repeated calls from himself, his doctor, and his local member of parliament that the hospital performed the surgery, nearly a year after it was first requested. Under government guidelines, he should have started getting treatment within 18 weeks. I was in quite a bit of pain, Evans said, of his ordeal in Cornwall, southwest of England. It really restricted what I could do around the farm, since I couldn't lift anything heavy. Across Britain, an increasing number of patients, like Evans, are facing more pain and longer wait times. Question for skeptics. Why would we willingly endorse and enroll in a healthcare system that has proven to be inferior to the one we currently have? Why would we willingly put our health in the hands of a bunch of bureaucrats who don't give a blank about us? Why would we willingly put our health in the same hands that have a 100% failure rate? Everything the federal government touches turns into a wasteful, fraud and abuse-laced mess. On top of that, what is it about other nations' socialized medical programs that is worthy of emulation? By almost any measure, they are all inferior to the United States healthcare system. Consider this. When the Obamacare website didn't work when, we, when it first started, we were told to be patient and try again later. Does that sound like something Apple Computer or Amazon.com would say? When dealing with a business that provides crappy service, we shop elsewhere. When dealing with a massive bureaucracy that provides crappy service and is a virtual monopoly, we just bend over and say thank you. When the government is a service provider, there are no choices. My wish is for advocates for a government-run socialized medical system to just come clean. Stop playing the American public for fools. Just tell us what the end game is. Socialism. Centralized power in the hands of a few people in Washington, D.C. They should come out and explain to the American people that they know better than us. We need to listen to them and let them run our life. Those in power need things owned and operated by government, like health care and social security, so they can hang them over the voters' heads. See, they have a playbook that they pull out every four years. It reads, if you elect fill-in-the-blank Republican presidential nominee name here, he and his Republican congressional allies are going to take away your fill-in-the-blank government-run benefit. And then, of course, they will call them racist, homophobes, xenophobes, and many other phobes. They don't really care about their constituents. They just want to control them. It's a game to these people. It's about power and control. What Big D Democrats and Little S Socialists want is the exact opposite of what the founders of this country planned. It has never worked well, yet they continue to dress it up and lie about it.